This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, where hundreds of researchers make new discoveries inspired by the work of previous Dana-Farber scientists. Learn more about their momentum at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Today on State of the World, an international summit on the dangers of AI. Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories, up close, where they're happening. It's Thursday, November 2nd. I'm Greg Dixon. There's so much talk about artificial intelligence, or AI, about how it could revolutionize our lives for the better, and also about the dangers. Computer scientists say AI could engineer bioweapons, or make global financial systems go haywire, or threaten democracy. An international group of politicians and tech CEOs recently gathered outside London to sound the alarm. NPR's Lauren Freyer was there, and she has been reporting on some of the questions that summit raised. Hey, Lauren. Hi, Greg. So, Lauren, as I said, we're hearing a lot about AI. Can you just tell us a little bit about what that is and where it's come from? Yeah, so AI has its roots in, like, early computer theory and in some big theoretical questions about what computers can do. Let me just roll back the clock a little bit and take you on a history lesson. Never before in all history has the British Empire been so well... So in World War II, the UK government recruited some of the Allies' best and brightest mathematicians, gathered them all at this bucolic English country manor house called Bletchley Park, and gave them a top-secret assignment Hmm. to decipher the Nazis' Enigma codes. That was like an encryption used to send messages in wartime. And one of those mathematicians was named Alan Turing. Now, just, Greg, does this sound familiar? Gentlemen, meet Mr. Turing. We work together. Right, imitation game, Alan Turing. Yes, exactly. So that's the title of a 2014 movie about how Alan Turing built this computer that was able to learn and crack the Nazis' code, which ultimately helped win World War II for the Allies. The title of that movie, Imitation Game, comes from a scholarly paper that Turing wrote in 1950 asking whether computers could imitate humans. Now, I asked Stephanie Hare, who's an expert on technology and ethics, what that really means. Can machines think with their own consciousness, their own approaches? What if they decided to harm us? How do we make sure they're always working with us as partners? But also, what can they do that we can't do that maybe would be amazing? So those are the questions that Alan Turing wrote about almost 75 years ago. And those same questions are now being taken up by politicians and tech CEOs who have sort of watched technology grow exponentially and realize now that these are no longer theoretical questions, they're a reality. And so politicians and tech CEOs met at Bletchley Park, the same location where Turing worked during World War II, to hash out these questions about artificial intelligence or AI. I don't know whether the optics of that are are good or bad, sort of Turing's ideas coming to life. Yeah. Are they really worried about computers controlling humanity? Yeah, it sounds like science fiction, right? I mean, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak actually said he's worried 
that humanity could lose control of computers. Wow. So these are massive existential questions. But, you know, AI is also stuff that, like, you'll be familiar with. Language models like ChatGPT or even Google Translate. Sure. Also, like, tech tools that your bank may be using to evaluate loan applications or your doctor's office might be using to read your medical records. So it's like automation but with computer algorithms that improve over time. And the question is what happens if AI goes awry. Vice President Kamala Harris um, gave a speech at the U.S. Embassy in London recently, and she gave some real-world examples. Consider, for example, when a senior is kicked off his health care plan because of a faulty AI algorithm. Is that not existential for him? You know, she talked about people being victimized by deep fakes, like explicit photos that are not real, or even people getting thrown into prison because of a biased AI facial recognition software. So Vice President Kamala Harris said, you know, yes, AI is a great tool. It can help us in so many ways, but regulating it is in the public interest. And she believes it's possible to do that in a way that doesn't stifle innovation. So all these tech CEOs, but also politicians from around the world were coming together to to figure that out. Uh, You said Vice President Harris was there and the UK Prime Minister. I know also the European Commission president and some top Chinese officials. They're at this summit. I mean, so what? Like, what, what, what are they doing besides telling us about the risks that we face? Yeah, I mean, they can issue a joint declaration, which they did, um, called the Bletchley Declaration. They pledged to work together to contain what they call potentially catastrophic risks posed by this technology. But, like, you're right. There's no global regulatory body for this. There's nothing binding. It's kind of up to individual countries to do this. President Biden recently did issue an executive order on AI calling for guardrails and safety tests, but most regulation is voluntary so far. And so, you know, this AI summit was a success just in terms of getting these people together, particularly the Chinese. And, you know, the China sent its vice minister of science and technology. And that's a huge vote of confidence that sort of all of these countries are on the same page. But those are just the politicians. Um, I consulted an AI expert um, named Nina Schick. And she says a major role in all of this is going to have to be played by tech companies themselves. Primarily because The knowledge in terms of what is actually happening, how are these systems built, what's under the hood, who can understand them, um, is not going to come from government alone. Industry needs to be a part of this conversation. And so to that end, Elon Musk was at Bletchley Park. So were representatives from Google, Amazon, Meta, Microsoft. And, you know, industry leaders have actually been asking to be regulated. Like, when does that ever happen? Companies asking for more regulation, right? But... You know, as Schick says, there are tech founders who just don't want the responsibility of all of this on their shoulders alone. These founders have seen what happened to kind of the founders of social media when their inventions, wildly unregulated, were later on proven to have a darker underbelly, right? Because they understand that this is a dual-use technology, and just as it can be used for advancement of things like healthcare and science, it could also be weaponized. Most of those tech CEOs are in Silicon Valley, right? So while the European Union is actually way ahead on regulation compared to the U.S., the U.S. really is going to have to play a very big role in this. All right. So you have 
some very scary possibilities being raised. <laughs> you have some giants of tech asking to be regulated. You have politicians coming together from around the world and issuing declarations. What are the next steps in making sure this is reasonably regulated? So politicians love a good summit, and they are scheduling at least two more of those, um, one in South Korea in six months' time, another after that in France in about a year's time. Um, we may see some jostling for leadership on this issue. Um, the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and Vice President Harris both announced rival AI safety institutes in their own countries. Um, Like I said, the EU is a leader on regulation. The U.S. is a leader on innovation. Nobody's quite sure how opaque China will be on all of this, although it's a really good sign that they participated in this summit. And so one of the challenges is to just keep the momentum and interest in this. Experts say this is kind of like the climate crisis. Like there's a broad consensus on the dangers we face for all of humanity, but it's so big of a problem and there are so many actors that it can feel theoretical sometimes. And the worry is that politicians will just kind of kick this down the road. Or a country not among the countries that you listed decides to use AI in a terrible way to benefit themselves. I mean, it seems you would need everybody on board to work together to actually solve this. Exactly. And it looked like there was goodwill at this very first summit. But time will tell whether that goodwill and, you know, those pledges to collaborate continue. Thanks so much for your reporting, Lauren. Thanks for having me. That's the State of the World from NPR. A special thanks to our State of the World Plus listeners for supporting our journalists around the world. If you like what you hear and you're able to join them in making our reporting possible, please sign up at plus.npr.org or on our show page in Apple Podcasts. Thanks to everyone for listening. See you again soon. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thanks to Dana-Farber's foundational work, protein degradation can target cancer-causing proteins and destroy them right inside the cell. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to Viore.com slash NPR.